From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we are back with you guys again to talk all things media. I know it's been a little while, but we are ready to get into some films, some TV, all the media things that you guys love to hear us talk about, and we're excited to be back with you. So the first thing we have on the docket today is a mini-review of Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. There's a fight. One guy took them all down with his bare hands. He's still in there. Turn around, mister. Let me see your hands. Aggravated assault is a felony in this state, Mr. Reacher. Process him and get him to county. Two things are gonna happen in the next 90 seconds. Excuse me? First, that phone over there is gonna ring. Second, you're gonna be wearing these cuffs on your way to prison. (laughs) Well, that is one magnificent prophecy, Mr. Reacher. just gonna keep on ringing. You're a dead man. You think you're above the law. But I'm not the law. So you should start running, because I'm gonna start hunting. And when I find you, I'm gonna kill you all. All right, guys, well, I'm excited to be back on the podcast, and we have an amazing film to talk about uh, this evening. I know we're all gonna have a blast talking about this. Um, I really enjoyed the very first Jack Reacher film. Uh, it was a kind of a surprise for me. Um, I thought it was a pretty well-made, uh, well-done action flick. Uh, this is the sequel, uh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. It is directed by Edward Zwick. It stars Tom Cruise, Colby Smulders, and it is an interesting film. The IMDb description is as follows. Jack Reacher must uncover the truth behind a major government conspiracy in order to clear his name. On the run as a fugitive from the law, Reacher uncovers a potential secret from his past that could change his life forever. Man, that sounds awesome and also totally generic. But let's go ahead and uh, dive into a discussion of Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. I'm very interested to hear what our, our screeners thought of this. So, Melody, tell us, what did you think about Jack Reacher, never go back. Well, Chris, you made an interesting comment when you were introducing this film. In Uh fact, I think the word you used was that this is an interesting film. Uh And I would have to beg to differ with that analysis (laughs) because I think quite clearly what this film is, is not interesting. I saw it like two days ago. I don't really remember it at this point in time. I mean, I could make commentary about it, I don't think it was particularly terrible, per se, although I'm sure we could rip it apart if we felt like that was a good use of our time. It was certainly not good. And I I actually really enjoyed the first Jack Reacher, as I think many people did. It was like kind of a surprise, kind of like, oh, here's Tom Cruise, but this isn't Mission Impossible, but I like this character. He's funny. He's interesting. And the story is being told in a cool way. So it was a a good film, I thought. I enjoyed it. Um, So I was hoping that this would be up to par with the first Jack Reacher. Sadly, however, I did happen to see the Rotten Tomatoes score before we went to the theater. So my dreams were pretty much dashed at that point. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm saying it. 
because it's a bad score. So I already knew it was probably not going to be very good. And indeed, it was not very good. And that's why I say I think not interesting is probably the perfect uh, analysis for this film because there was like stupid stuff in it. I'm not really sure that it's worth our effort to pick apart too much. I mean, Tom Cruise is great. Definitely feel like he was wasted in this film. I don't think it was bad in this film. I just don't. It was just not a well-written film. And I'm sure you guys will tell us all the reasons why. So carry on. (laughs) All right. Uh, Chad, how about you, man? What what, what were your thoughts on Jack? Well, I was, I did not do any research at all on this movie. Meaning before I saw it, I didn't even realize that it didn't have the same writer and director, uh, Chris McQuarrie from the first one who went on to do uh, rogue nation, which was one of my favorite movies of last year. And so about 35 minutes into this movie, I was like, man, did everybody just get really bad at their job all of a sudden? Because this does not feel tonally uh, even similar. It's just very unremarkable in every way. The original Jack Reacher, I'll go ahead and ring that bell again. I really liked it uh, more than just a little bit. I thought it was great fun. An interesting take on a kind of character that maybe we've seen in the past, but it was it was just very interesting. It was different. It wasn't just a typical action movie. It was great. And so when I after the movie was over, I of course pulled up IMDb and I saw it was uh, Ed Ed Zwick, which again I was then doubly disappointed because Glory is one of my favorite movies ever, and he's made you know three or four really good films. So it's just, um, this movie's unremarkable. It's just very forgettable. There's no reason to see it, but it's not bad. It's not good, it's not bad. And so it's not bad enough to make you have a strong reaction to it. It's not good enough to make you even really care about it. So ultimately it makes it even worse, I think. You know, when you have movies like this, the one thing that will at least keep you interested is if there's any kind of mystery or there's some reason to want to know what happened. And this is terrible. I just didn't care about any of the stuff in this movie. And it was also dumb. Like there are things, there are things that happen in here where people should have been dead. And this is a mini review. We're not going to do like a spoiler thing, but there's a fight thing where this guy, I'm just going to leave it. Who cares? This guy is thrown off of a building (laughs) And he would be dead every day of the week dead. And then he gets up in like two minutes and is fighting again. I just was so dumb. I just, I don't know. I don't even care. I'm done. I don't know. Don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> All right. Nice. Well done. Well done. That's <laughs> glowing review of, uh, of the movie. All right, Josh, I know you like this movie. I'm sure <laughs> this is your like right up your alley. And when I saw this movie and we, I knew we were going to review it, I thought, you know what? Man, Josh is going to love this. So uh, I do so love you the think, fact man? that we made Josh see it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I honestly, you yes. made me see it. I, I actually <laughs> saw it a, like a day before Josh did, and I think we were uh, online uh, playing a game or whatever. And he, and he asked me, he was like, "We were talking." I was like, "Oh man, I can't believe you have to go see this movie, Josh. I'm I'm so sorry." So I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. Maybe you enjoyed it. What did you think, Josh? For the record, I saw this movie under the promise of it being the main event. If I'd have known it was going to be a mini, I would have just been like, you guys talk about it. I'll be fine. I have not seen the original. All I, oh, all I know about this movie Should've... is that Tom Cruise is in it, and its subtitle is Never Go Back. So I have prepared a statement about Jack Reacher <laughs> all right. that I would like to read <laughs> right. most of to you. Thank Since you. it's a mini review, I can't read all of it. No, you can't. I, will, I will read a portion of it. Of it. I have a terrible poker face in movie theaters i i usually try to sit by myself and and when i can't i almost feel bad for the people who have to sit next to me 
because you know i i laugh when characters end the line with the likes of you i audibly groan <laughs> when they say you're gonna be okay kid and during an interminable fist fight, I count literally on my fingers holding my hand up the number of guns that we've been told are in reach of people who are standing 20 feet away from the fist fight. So I am I'm just shocked that actual people, people besides the actors, are still required to make movies like this. They're completely paint by numbers. They're Thomas Kincaid joints with all the light replaced with punches and since I know that there clearly what? isn't... What? Don't, don't stop it. No, he's I on a roll. Just go. Well, I was going to let it slide, but let what? Go. I want go. you to stop and picture a Thomas Kincaid painting. We got it. No, I got it, Josh. The the we should not have interrupted you. Please continue. So I know that since there clearly isn't any in the script, I'm supposed to recognize the artistry and the post-production or something like that, but it has to be completely rote at this point, right? They're just... They're typing like they're typing P Y T R on the avid keyboard and the movie's edited. There's nothing novel or interesting about this movie. It's just another cortisol soaked punch and shoot fest. So dot, dot, dot. I'm skipping the rest of this because no one cares. Anyway, this was a terrible movie and we are all dumber for having seen it. Yes, I at agree. No, at no <laughs> point during its terse cliche ridden script did it come close to anything resembling an original line. I award it no points, and may God have mercy on all our souls. Yay. Agreed. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, okay. <clears throat> that was amazing. Um, I don't know that I can add anything to that, other than you should see the first movie, Josh, just to know how much better movie. it is than this it one. Is good. I yes. will. I'm in. I am in. Yeah, you're sure you are. No, but you enjoyed Rogue Nation, right? Uh, uh, surprisingly, yes. It was okay. So it's the same creative team, um, and... I mean, you can see the DNA. Uh, it, it does some really interesting things. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I was reminded, too, I listened to um, a, a podcast called The Slash Filmcast, and they did a review of Never Go Back. And they reminded me, the very first Jack Reacher, for the first 10 minutes, there's no dialogue in the first 10 minutes of that movie. It's yeah. just this amazing, uh, tense uh, setup for uh, an assassination attempt. And it is it, it, well, I don't know assassination, but it, it, it's just an amazing scene. I've totally forgotten about it, but what they do there um, is try and do something different with the action thriller genre and they succeed on every <laughs> level and, and go on to do this amazing film uh, called Rogue Nation that I thought was really good and does the exact same thing for this Mission Impossible franchise. And Jack Reacher never go back. They should have never gone back, right? I mean, it is in, in every on every level just mediocre. And I felt like I was watching a television show, like a like a network TV. Uh, I just felt like you know, in a world where there's, I was used to getting this amazing HBO level uh, production and thoughtfulness. We go back to this networky, very cliche by the, like you said, paint by numbers approach to uh, a thriller action uh, movie. And, you know, there's nothing else to say to it. I, I think don't waste your time seeing this movie. Would anybody say to go see this movie? No, no none no. of the podcasts no. anyway. But I will say this. We're coming down on it like it's the worst thing ever. I, again, let no, me just restate. It's really yeah. just it's not bad. It's not like yeah. poorly made. And Tom Cruise is eminently watchable. He's Tom Cruise. Sure. You know, sure. and their performances are okay. It's just the plot is terrible. It's not interesting, and the action is unremarkable. So, but it's not bad. But let me add some thoughts here because I haven't given my opinion yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I totally <laughs> forgot. <you. laughs> oh. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> no, you, you said know, I, no the first time. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I, I that was that was totally my fault. Daniel, you, you will be repaid later in the episode. I promise yes. you. Wonderful. Yeah. 
No, I don't have a ton to add because let's be honest, there's not much to say about this movie. Um, I too loved Jack Reacher, loved it like a lot. That was one of my favorite movies of the year uh, that year. But this is just so like I, I kind of disagree with a, a little bit with what you guys are saying because you guys are calling it terrible, and also I don't remember enough about this movie to call it terrible. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember <laughs> anything about it at all. It's terrible. That's why you're saying it's, it's terrible, Josh. Well, That's it's not just terrible. so it's so bland. It's so uh, it's just pointless. Yeah. I'm just not going to remember anything about this movie in two months. This will be completely uh, out of my mind. The plot was generic. Uh, The action was forgettable. Just everything was completely uninspired. So I can't call it garbage. I can't call it terrible because there was nothing in it that that sticks out in my mind as as utterly awful. Just the whole thing was just bland, was just nothing. So it was just a weird movie. It was just so weird because... I've not. I, I can't even equate it to anything else because I think the closest thing is. I think Chris. I think Chris said the the closest thing is network TV. That's just the closest thing to it. It's just uh, bland. bland. Yeah. 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 All right. So two things. First, yeah. I would like to point out, Chris, that you just said you stopped yourself in the middle of it, but you just instinctively said. That's why you're saying it's terrible. And you started to say Josh, which means that I'm the first word that yes. comes to your mind after that. <laughs> yeah, opening, it is. It which is, means yes. I win. I it win. Is. You do. And you do, Josh. Secondly, secondly, so the one thing I remember about this movie is that apparently Jack Reacher is Hannibal. Either he's Hannibal or the creators of the movie feel like their audience needs to have everything spelled out for them in excruciating detail as to what happened in a room when Jack Reacher enters the room. And so these black and white flashes, since I didn't see the first movie, I was literally wondering, does Jack Reacher have superpowers? No, Is he that, handled? No. Those flashbacks no. were just not. terrible it's, storytelling yeah. technique? Yes, yes. Awesome. Yeah, Jack Reacher yeah, is in terrible. a series of books, so he's an existing character. It's just, um, yeah. Who doesn't have superpowers? That's no. right. Everybody okay. does. All right, all right. That's enough. Uh <laughs> We've talked about it enough, I think. It's a bland. If you're looking for a bland time with uh, some really great um, uh, action from – not really great, but some action from Tom Cruise, this might be your thing. If not, watch Westworld. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to our, uh, <laughs> our main event. That's the only time we'll ever talk about it. Welcome to the main event. For our main event this time, we're going to talk about one of Netflix's recently released documentaries, 13th. One out of four human beings with their hands on bars, shackled, in the world, are locked up here in the land of the free. It became virtually impossible for a politician to run and appear soft on crime. The kinds of kids that are called super predators. Millions of dollars will be allocated for prison and jail facilities. Three strikes and you are out. It was an enormous burden on the black community, but it also violated a sense of core fairness. States were required to keep these prisons filled, even if nobody was committing a crime. We now have more African Americans under criminal supervision than all the slaves back in the 1850s. The IMDb description for 13th is characteristically terse and almost inaccurate, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, an in-depth look at the prison system in the United States and how it reveals the nation's history of racial inequality. So this is not exactly um, not exactly a light movie to be doing for a main event, not exactly a light movie to watch or be talking about. It has a lot of cultural relevance what's happening 
all across the country right now. I guess we'll we'll start things off with Daniel. Daniel, what did you think about 13th? Yeah, well, I, I don't have a ton to say, honestly, about 13th. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was uh, really powerful. I, I think the best word for 13th is educational, which it, that's obviously that's the point of the film to really, you know, present a lot of facts and ex- expound from those. So I, I was very unaware of what most of the film explains. Yeah, I, I thought the most powerful thing that recurred throughout 13th is as they're showing, they periodically show how the jail population has like skyrocketed over the years. And that was that was something that I hadn't that uh, I had never known. Um, and of course, w- with all documentaries and, and, and even narrative films, for that matter, of course, we need to, you know, think everything through, you know, take everything. Of course, the documentary, the, the director has a point of view they're trying to get across. But but the film never feels manipulative. It doesn't feel like it's 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 trying to present opinions. It, it's, it feels like it's relying a lot on presenting facts. Um, so for me, I really enjoyed it. Um, and from a filmmaking aspect, it's very, very well made, beautifully shot. Uh, the interviews are uh, really interesting and uh, uh, really beautifully framed. Uh, and the graphics are really well done. And I love, you know, of course, periodically they have these song interludes with lyrics on the screen. It was really well done. It keep, keeps you drawn in, keeps you really into what's going on and what they're presenting. So yeah, for me, the the, the best word to describe it is educational. It's, it 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 was really powerful, powerful and really well done. Um, but yeah, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Okay, well that's a positive review of a difficult film by Daniel. Um, Chad, what did you think? Well, I think this is a movie that you have to you have to take in two pieces. And we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. There's the filmmaking part of it, and then there is the <clears throat> the messaging part of it, quote unquote. And I'm gonna I have to disagree with Daniel there. I don't think that this movie is not interested in presenting a point of view. I think it very much is. Certainly in the last third, for sure. Very clearly directing you towards the filmmaker's perspective, which that's the best documentaries do that. I I've been on board. In, on this podcast many times saying defending the right of the of the documentary filmmaker to make the film that they want to make and then we can we're free to judge it based on its whether it's factual or not because uh, the goals of these different kinds of movies are are different sometimes a goal is just to make you feel something sometimes it's to inform and so for me I think this this movie did both of those things uh, I agree from a from just a craft standpoint it's beautiful I love the use of the full frame establishing shots for the talking heads very beautiful to look at i think i think ava duvernay is really skilled and shows her skill as a filmmaker here you know conquering essentially two different mediums a narrative film with selma um and then uh of course now this documentary so just she's she's really marvelous and I'm, i'm a big fan of hers her not being nominated for an academy award last year is still one of the great you know, Oscar crimes, I think. And I really like some of the creative choices that she made. Anybody that's ever made a documentary, and I think all of us on this podcast, in some form or another, have, have worked on documentaries throughout the year. And you always have to creatively solve places where you may not have B-roll or you're trying to use music or footage or reenactments to create things that don't exist, that you just don't have footage of. I like the way that she used typography with song lyrics for transitions. There's a lot of, a lot of craftsmanship in this film that, I, that I'm a, a big fan of. I also think that it's a very heavy subject. And without getting too deep into the politics, I was very emotional about a lot of this movie because it makes you angry, it makes you sad. But then there's also a point where I think what she is reaching for, I think it exceeds 
it exceeds her grasp a little bit, and she makes some connections that I think are a little tenuous. Um, and then I think the last piece of it is certainly made to manipulate you in a way that, that bothered me a little bit. But overall, it's really wonderful, and I think it should be seen for sure. And I do believe that for a lot of reasons, this is probably the, the Oscar winner for, for Best Documentary, for sure. But I would recommend it's not a happy watch, obviously. It's not something that you're going to watch and, and feel great by any stretch of imagination. But I do think it should be seen. Okay. I'd, and maybe we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the end part that you mentioned there later but first chris what did you yes. think of the 13th you didn't you didn't actually get all the way through it right so maybe we won't talk about the end no you should definitely talk about the end i'm going to and and you know honestly it wasn't just be, it wasn't because i didn't want to it was just i've ran out of time unfortunately um but i should say and i don't know if we've mentioned maybe we have i, I just missed it but this is available on netflix uh it didn't actually have i don't believe anyway a theatrical release did it guys was it is it only it, through with netflix or i think it's a netflix original it yeah, is a netflix it original. says right on the poster <laughs> Yeah. It is a no, Netflix original. It had it had like a minor, uh, a minor oh, theatrical release. Yeah, well, very, very, very minor. It, it would have to, to right? For Oscar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to ask. Is is because you know if if we're t- we're talking about it being one of the very best reviewed documentaries of the year so far, uh, and I like I, I think I agree with all of you guys that it's it's probably going to be nominated if not win the oscar it is it is a really well done documentary the the pieces that i've seen so far anyway um visually striking you know she she does some amazing things with the camera sometimes it's a little distracting um uh, there's a lot of she's a director she's a cinematic director and you can definitely feel that in that she wants to move the camera uh it's constantly going so sometimes the for me, anyway, I got distracted a few times what the person was saying by the, the fact that the background was moving very quickly and uh, they're, they, they'd cut to like the side head of uh, the speaker and that kind of stuff. It just is a little, a little too uh, artistic, I feel like, at times, a little screaming out like, look at this cool thing, when in fact the, the topic at hand, of course, should be center stage. And I think for the most part, obviously, this is one of the best looking documentaries uh, it's already been mentioned it was one of the things that i'm i noticed right away just because uh, i'm a huge fan uh, of of you know uh, motion graphics but it is a very interesting uh, juxtaposition between like the 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 frame rate uh, that the movie is in which i'm sure is probably 24 frames per second or some variation of that and then the 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 graphics are at a much um, more stilted, quick frame rate, um, which is they look very stylistic, very cool, and they do make they do get the point across very well. It's interesting to to the point of obviously I'm a I'm a white man, and so uh, just by that nature I you know I'm I am outside of what. Um, uh, the folks, uh, the black folks in, uh, the, in, in, in America are going through. Um, and so to being able to kind of peer into that window and hear some of these stories, it is horrifying. And also, um, you know, just what, uh, Chad was saying before the narrative, um, makes it seem so obvious that this is what's happening, what's going on, that this is, this is so, this is so such an obvious thing that we haven't heard about it, that this isn't becoming a, a, a more widely discussed topic, 
is horrifying. And it's, I guess it's a good thing that it's being brought into the forefront and said, Hey, look, let's, let's, let's at least talk about this. Let's see if this, if this doesn't maybe bring up some interesting talking points and perhaps some change in our judicial system, specifically when it comes to the war on drugs. Um, it's uh, a very interesting um, look into, and it's on the, the poster for this or whatever i don't i'm guessing it's probably in the summary too when you click on it in netflix but it's the idea of going from slavery to prison just from from one change uh in uh what is it the uh, constitution what is it called amendment in one amendment and so that's kind of that, that premise alone you know you walk in and you have an idea of what that might mean um and so anyway it, i find it fascinating it's, it's a very good looking film it's definitely going to spark some conversation and i think it's a conversation that needs to be had so in that i think it does a fantastic job and does exactly what a documentary is supposed to do okay so i i guess overall there i i don't think any of us really disliked the movie right so far right no no, I disliked okay. a lot of things about it, but th- it's more along the topic of the content and some of the things that I think are f- sins of omission. But that's not – I can't fault the movie for that because, again, I believe a well, filmmaker can make what the filmmaker wants to make. It's it's definitely – again, it's definitely on one point of view. The, the, the points of view from anybody on another <laughs> – they have an interview with uh, a gentleman who is taking like the counterpoint to a lot of these things. Uh, and he's just kind of bumbling and obviously very yeah. nervous. Uh, I found that to be a little like that. That was a little over the line for me. Like you could have gotten somebody a little bit. That, that's yeah. just how Grover Norquist is. He, I know he, he knows he has no leg to stand on, but he's doing it anyway. But I can't believe they got him to be in the movie. But I mean, that's not necessarily true. I'm sure you could find somebody. I mean, I understand there's there, there's somebody who would be known as um, a definitive voice uh, on that. But then you could also get somebody who was just better, a better speaker. You know what I mean? Somebody who was a, an anchor or a pundit or somebody who could at least be a little bit more eloquent. Um, and I just felt like just having him as the only power, only counterpoint seemed a little not only weak, but also like totally tilting the scale and even further in the other direction. That was my other critique that I forgot to just say, but I'm not saying that that's not necessarily anyway, it doesn't matter that, that, that was my only, like when I was watching it, like, Oh man, couldn't they have gotten somebody else other than this guy to say these things? Cause it's, it's definitely not a, not a good thing. So I, I'm, I'm curious who would, uh, who would be a counterpoint for what's presented in this documentary besides the clan? Yeah, well, we probably shouldn't oh, go wow. there yet until you at least tell us what you think about the movie, Josh, because you haven't yeah, you haven't told go. us yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm stalling on that because I don't have a whole lot to say. Kind of like Daniel said at the beginning, um, I came into it knowing a lot of the of the foundational things that they cover, um, but there were definitely details and and quotes and individual actions that that were new to me and just just wonderful like that that top level advisor to uh to nixon they had his quote on the news from like the 70s and that was just unbelievable that he would he just came out and said it well you know and and sorry i don't mean to break in but i would be interested to know know the context of that as well because a whole lot of stuff around whether that's even yeah how that was there Oh, yeah, yes. because honestly, honestly, when I even like when I listened to that, I was like, I feel like I'm being manipulated here. Now, I may not be. Maybe he was literally saying that maybe he was literally saying that thing. And that was his entire point. But to me, 
I could I could see how that could very easily be manipulated, but I'm not saying it is. I don't know. I have no I know I'm this the first time I've heard it, so I don't know. But it just seemed a little like, oh, interesting. Okay, all right, we're gonna move on. That was that one thing, and now we're moving on. So anyway, so I feel like the only context that could have been provided in that case is if it had been preceded by the other side wants you to think, and then that that quote started exactly. I mean, and that, that, and, that's and exactly if that's, what if that's the way it was, that's that's blatantly. Like that's terrible filmmaking. That's that's Michael Moore level uh, edit manipulation. But right, and I don't. And it may I, not I even... kind of don't expect that from from her. Well, I don't know. I don't know her personally, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, not going to accuse her of that either. I don't know. I don't know the situation. I, all I'm saying is that that kind of those kinds of people aren't in the movie. Is that's what I'm saying? Is yeah. that there was nobody there to say. Sorry, I'm I'm cutting into your reaction, Josh. Sorry, continue. We can have a discussion. So, okay, I like I say, I really don't have much much else to say. But so I think the movie as a whole is a is a great grounding for people who who haven't considered an opposing perspective, who are outside of of this struggle and and haven't really either don't know enough about it to have thought it through, or haven't confronted it, or haven't wanted to think about it. And so people wonder why the movement is called black lives matter instead of all lives matter. And essentially this is why, and we we've gone this whole time about, um, we've talked this whole time without actually talking about the theme of the movie, which is, as you mentioned, Chris, it's the 13th amendment, but it's a clause that I wasn't aware of in the 13th amendment, which that amendment is the one that, um, like codified into the constitution that we weren't going to have slavery. And then there's a clause right after that, that says, except for punishment of a crime for which someone has been duly convicted. And so the, the rest of the movie goes on to explore how um, the prison system has adapted to fill the gap left by, um, by the emancipation of slaves. So that, that's what we're talking about in, in the context of this movie. And yeah. so that's why I said the IMDb description is a little bit it starts out by saying that the movie is about the prison system. It's not really about the prison system. I think it's about, it's more about African American experience, but I guess that's neither here nor there from a filmmaking perspective. Like we've been talking about, uh, I loved the way it was shot, the way it was edited towards the very beginning. I don't remember her name, but it was, it was a woman who was talking and the camera was, I think on rails, like you were talking about. And, she was completely in focus, but there were things going through the foreground, uh, yeah. periodically obscuring her. And I, I don't know why I haven't seen that or don't remember seeing it in any other documentary. Cause to me, that feels like a great technique to make a, make a talking head feel like, feel like an action sequence, not, not like a, not a jerky action sequence, but something more visually engaging. Yeah. yeah. It, she's a, she's a great filmmaker. There's no doubt. She, she's, she, Shoots things cinematically. I love it. No doubt about it. Yes, absolutely. It's very cinematic, but sometimes that can be distracting when you're trying to listen to a person and it's not cutting away. It's just that one moment. So yeah, but yeah, I got gotcha. you. That, that was that was few and far between. That that is a minor look. Look, this movie is well made. If it gets nominated for an Oscar and wins, I don't think it's not deserving of that. I'm not. Don't misunderstand. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You know what I mean? Like it, it was great. Just there were some moments that were a little dis- distracting that took me out for a moment. Well, I. This, that's pretty much all I have to say, soapbox style. Um, so let's go back to what we were arguing about before. What were you arguing about before? 
how can there possibly be a counterpoint to to this? I I, I agree. There are lots of counterpoints to this. Actually, yeah, I, I think I think that's that that that's kind of a little silly, because you know there's there there are a lot of people who would disagree with a lot of the political statements that are made, um in in this uh you know it just it what's funny to me and I I, I don't. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get into it. There's yeah, no reason gotta. to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to get into it. It, it just it, – it obviously paints the Republican Party as the bad guys and the Democratic Party as making some poor decisions, but they're very sorry for it. Um, and I just uh, – I was I was like, wow, like, okay, all right. So that's that's what we're going to – that's where we're going with it. And and obviously I'm not – I'm just saying like it just it, – it seems a little like – Again, it's clearly uh, motivated to send people to the polls. I mean, at the end of this movie where you literally have a, a Donald Trump voiceover crosscut with 60s police brutality footage, that is the height of manipulative. Whether you think it's accurate or not is irrelevant. But to say that that's not a clear position one way or the other, it's clearly that, especially when that's juxtaposed against – one of the one of the best looking uh, headshots in the whole thing is the um, the political activist. I don't know if I'll pronounce her name right, but it's uh, Asanta Shakur, right? Who they present her as this expert the whole time, uh, talking about this when she was in the '60s, was in the Black Panthers. She's convicted of, of murdering a police officer, escaping from prison, and has been an, uh, in a refugee in Cuba since 1970 something, right? And so her whole thing talking about nonviolence and how it's just interesting that they would use her let me just put it that way and make her look and sound the way that she does taking a position of the position that she does when she is who she is and then immediately follow that with the Donald Trump thing it's just clear and that's fine again I'm not I'm not going to get into whether I think that's right or wrong but there are lots of counterpoints that can be made there are lots of things in here the biggest thing uh, you know that I think is clear about this, because Josh, you said you think it's about the African American experience. The IMDb says it's it's about the political or uh, the prison system. I think for me, the biggest thing I took away from it is that the thirteenth or the the loophole that's in the thirteenth or whatever. I think it's a stretch to call that just in and of itself a tie to a new form of slavery. I think when Reagan started the war on drugs, and then Clinton followed it up with this mandatory minimums. That sixteen year window right there is where this really became an issue when you had people that had marijuana in their car that got put in jail for eight years and then they did it a second time and then third time and then they're away for life. I think that is one of the things that was the strongest part about this documentary and and as you see that, to me that is a clear indication because it showed even the stats, the prison population as it goes up and in that 16 year window it was like triple what it started and that to me is what really hits home because we created that. We created that machine that enslaves these people for things that shouldn't shouldn't enslave them. You tie the hands of judges with mandatory minimums. You put people in in jail for what is, in my opinion, more of like an addiction health issue than it is a criminal issue. It's just a rough it's just a rough road. And when the yeah. when the documentary was in that realm, I thought it was at the height of its powers. When it got out of that and got more into the now, like what Chris is saying, I I, I think it's clear that this movie was 
is driving people to to vote that's where i think it's less impactful so again i don't think it's right or wrong or i don't hate it for for having a point of view i just think it's less impactful as a documentary when it kind of gets off the rails there because there are lots of things in there that it just leaves out that it doesn't need to i didn't I, I, it's strong enough without that stuff so i yeah i will i will give you those points and i want to go on the record as saying I am not saying that I don't think the documentary has a point of view to express. I mean, I, I think it's clear that it does. Right. Um, and I think it's clear that the end is what, what you say the end is. However, um, the bit about the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary and their support of the omnibus crime bill. Um, and they're both acquiescing to the culture of fear and trying to play into it in order to get votes. Yep. I feel like that was an issue that was brought up and then never really resolved. They never really absolved them of that sin. Like no, they it, did. it was anti-Trump, but I don't feel like it was pro Hillary. No, because, because and then they show that, that, that clip of Hillary at one of the debates talking about how, no, my, my, my husband went back and apologized. And said he was for sorry. That. Yeah. 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 I mean, it literally, Josh, I mean, come on. Uh, okay, so they can show that, but did they show, like, a, uh, look, a battery of talking heads accepting that apology? Well, yeah, because the the moment, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't know if they said uh, they accept the apology, but they show it in the documentary. <laughs> like, so so you as an, uh, so you as a, uh, uh, a watcher of this documentary, you see, and it all happens within a like two minute. It's not like they, they wrap it up very quickly. They say Bill Clinton, however, made a really bad choice. He made he he did one of the worst things he possibly could do to the black community uh, in in America, uh, and then they explain what he did, and then immediately followed up with his apology, and he yeah. said, you know, I I really wish I hadn't done that, and then it followed. Follow that up with Hillary talking about how we now admit that we, you know, that we made a mistake. And my husband said if he could sh go back and change that, he would. And I agree with him. Right. Like, they, I, I'm, I'm just saying they do that very quickly, Josh. It's it's like they, they say this is a glaring issue. We know it's a problem and we're going to deal with it real quick. Let you know he's sorry. And then we're going to move on. Now, look, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying I'm not I, I don't want to make it sound like the weight of this is not an issue because I'm actually fascinated. This is, this is, this is a topic that I'd love to have a conversation with, uh, with somebody about because I find it fascinating. It's something I've never thought about because I'm a white uh, American and it's something I just don't think about. And I should. And that's why I think this, this documentary is fantastic is because even if in points no it doubt. is very heavy handed and is very political and it is, let's be honest with that. It is, yeah. it still sparks a conversation that should be had. And we need to understand, I think the war on drug stuff is spectacular and we need to understand Agreed. what it's doing to our young African-American black communities, Hispanics. Yeah. And it's unjustly putting those folks in and, and it's just that snowball that happens. And they talk about it that like, because we're getting more in prisons, then now we're, we're also seeing that more on the nightly news. And then now we're also seeing that more represented in movies. And now we're seeing that in the black culture. And now it's just this feeding thing. Mm -hmm. How can we stop it? And I think that is, that's where this movie is fantastic. Um, yes. And I just have these small bits uh, of issues with it. Cause it just feels a little, sometimes that tinge of political Agreed. polish. That's yeah, because yeah, it, it literally created, you know, decades of, of homes that didn't have parents. And then the kids were put into a system or they were staying with their grandparents who couldn't support them because they were too old, who then went into the system. It did literally destroyed communities. And when it's 
when the documentary is focused on that, like the first two-thirds of this documentary, I was just enraptured with everything about it. And then when it finally gets to the quote-unquote payoff, that's just – it just it – just, I don't think it nailed the landing as much just because it was so on its, so on its sleeve. Um, but, again, overall, it's great. It's, it's absolutely great, and I think it should be seen. And you're right, Chris. If all it does is get people to talk about it and understand it or seek out more information or confront it, then it's done its job. So there you go. And, and I think, too, sometimes, though, like I, I was thinking about a lot of people who are like, man, I really wish they would see this. I think some of the political stuff, they would immediately get turned off on. Sure. That, that's another reason why I was a little bit more sensitive to it because I went into my more – I know a lot of – very conservative, ultra conservative people who would not want to hear who, who who would see this as being nothing but a Michael Moore conspiracy, you know, and they would and when they when they go too far into that political realm, I feel like it would turn them off uh, too mm. much. I just I wish they would have she would have been a little bit more subtle with it. And I think she was trying to be and I think she does a very good job, but I think it would reach more people. It would have more impact if it didn't rear that head of the political stuff, which, which is impossible to do. And I understand it and I get it. She does a great job. I'm just saying it just may turn people off who are not open to even, you know, thinking about it anyway. So, sure. and ultimately it's a much, much bigger problem that's systemic in so many different areas of our government and our correction, uh, correctional system that you, you know, a, a 90 minute or two hour documentary can't even encapsulate it in the first place. So, uh, you know, cause ultimately, some of these people <clears throat> that are in jail committed crimes, and they need to be in jail, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it doesn't address that. It just kind of just says, you know, it just so there's, it's just a big, big sandwich to bite off. And I'm glad that she at least uh, is doing this. And whatever she does next, I'm I'm totally in. She's she's remarkable. I think. It's interesting. I th- I think I was maybe uniquely primed to see this movie. I've the last couple of days, I've been there's been a lot of introspection for me about like about inequality and about what we do to minorities and indigenous people with the whole pipeline issue that's going on now in North Dakota. Uh, it's just all been kind of, kind of weighing on me recently. And so I, I think, I think I'm more primed to kind of let the political stuff slide a little bit. Um, and, and just, it's and just pay just- attention to, to the overall, the overall message that we're yeah, that's hearing. exactly where I was too. Uh, you you said it really well, Josh. I, I because a lot of these things I did like like I said the jail population and all those things I I didn't know any of that um, and like you because I'm a white man I that's just that's nothing I've thought about because it doesn't uh, you know affect me in the same way and so yeah I I was really primed for this documentary too because I've been thinking about those things more recently and for it to present those those uh, things that I've not known before. The, the political stuff sort of just uh, went by the wayside for me because I, I was I was focusing on the other parts of it. So um, it's interesting that that really that really uh, uh, turned you guys off, Chris and Chad, a little bit more than me and Josh. So this is a common common theme that gets brought up um, around topics like this. And my question is, what is the other side of someone's perspective on the world? What is the other side of that? I don't understand the question. So it would be so, so a different, to, a different to, perspective? Exactly. So whose perspective is the other side of the person who feels oppressed? 
I, I, you're, you're totally on, on a, a completely different track, Josh. I, I don't know exactly how to answer you other than just by saying there's a reason why she put, what did you say his name was? Robert yeah. Norquist. Yeah. Okay. Why is he in the documentary, Josh? He is in the documentary for, I think all of 20 or 30 seconds. Why, why is, no, he's in there more than that. He, he says quite a bit. Why is he in there? He is in there to <laughs> reinforce to show the side. position. <laughs> To reinforce her position, sure. Exactly. In theory, Newt Gingrich is there for the same reason, but he instead no, ends no, I don't up think either so. being, I think being no, edited Newt... craftily or pandering, one of the two. No, I, I agree. I, think, I disagree. I think he put, she knew what he was going to say and put him in there as someone to bolster her position as, hey, look, Newt Gingrich, who's the whitest of the white, even agrees. This Republican leader says these things, too. No, I'm just saying that he's in there for the other guy. I don't even know who he is. I'm sorry, Josh. But he's in there for a reason. He's there to give another perspective and and what he does is do it poorly um and all I'm, all I'm saying is is that in when you ask that question in general I have no idea how to answer the question but what I'm saying is is there's there are there are other republicans who maybe would never do an interview with her maybe that's the reason why they're not in there maybe she sent out a bunch of different uh republican stuff but i mean they they make the case that the republicans are the bad guys the democrats have always been uh working for and if they haven't been and they did something horrible they're very sorry for it so why don't why aren't there others republicans there to say why did you do this why do you i i see clearly that it is it's this you you are oppressing the black people in our communities by doing this. Why did you do it? That would be my, that would be my thing. Clarification on why we're here from them, the people that, uh, quote unquote did it. Do you know what I mean? Or continue to do it. What, what, why do we continue to have these bills? Why that, that's the piece that was missing is okay. It's, it's so bad and it's so obvious. We should definitely do something about it. And these people are horrible, but why did they do it? They've got to have a they've they've got to have a justification somewhere in there. And if it's just they're pure racists and terrible people, then we should know that. But I have a feeling it's a little bit more nuanced than that, and we didn't hear that. That's all I'm saying. Right. And to answer your your overall question is, I don't think anyone is questioning. I can speak for myself that there is clear oppression. There's no doubt that that is a real thing, and there is no doubt that she's ringing that bell in this documentary very effectively and shining a light where it needs to be shown. There's no doubt. My point is that oppression in and of itself with the unadulterated facts is overt and strong enough that she doesn't need to do anything else that's, that's manipulative and not manipulative in a way of just crafty filmmaking, but like Chris is saying, intentionally leaving things out or presenting something in a way that it didn't actually happen. She doesn't have to do that. And so when she does... For me, it became less effective. Yeah. So, final question: We can wrap this. We can probably litigate this all, all day and all night. But, final wrap up: Should people watch this movie? Daniel, go. I absolutely think people should watch this movie. I do. I, I think Chris has a good point that I might not have thought about before. That the pol- political stuff might turn people off who otherwise might give this a chance. It, it might turn people off who probably need to see the movie a little bit more. Um, but I do think, uh, you should definitely give it a shot. And, uh, no matter what your political ideals are, I think, uh, this, this presents some great, uh, things that need to be talked about and starts a great conversation. So definitely watch it. All right. So that's a yes from Daniel. Chad. Yes, you should definitely, definitely see it. It is, uh, it's marvelous filmmaking and it is 
very relevant content that is current that needs to, uh, if you don't know a lot about it, you need to, uh, you need to know about it because it's a, it's a real problem. And that's one of the great things about documentaries and filmmaking in general is that it can, uh, reflect and shine a light on our culture in places where it needs it. So yeah, definitely see it. And it's on Netflix. So go see it. And it's on Netflix. So you probably have a subscription and you don't have to go to theater, which is my key criterion. (laughs) Chris, how about you? Yeah, no, that was actually going to be my point. I was hoping that was going to say it, but you, uh, you ruined it. And that is, look, whether you know, whether you think you're going to uh, agree with every point in this, you probably aren't going to, uh, or you're going to, uh, disagree with every single point in this. You probably aren't going to, you should still sit down and hear some different perspectives on it and then do some research, which is again, what the best documentaries do. It can, it it cultivates a, a conversation that you can have. Uh, and that's that, those are the best documentaries. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. It's on Netflix. If, if you're, if you're already a, 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 a subscriber, it's a no brainer. It really is a wonderfully shot, well edited, expertly crafted film that everyone should sit down and see. You're listening to the screeners podcast. All right. To close out this week's show, we thought we would dive back into our uh, top 20 of all time at flickchart.com. We are screeners podcast. Uh, Now we've only done a couple of rounds of this, so we figured it was time to get back into it. And what we're going to do is the first uh, the first 10 or 15 or so that we do, we're going to do all movies, and then we're going to jump into our top 30 and whittle it down. Uh, for those of you playing at home, uh, right now our top movie of all time is The Shawshank Redemption, followed by Die Hard, Mission Impossible, Air Force One, and Jaws. So we got a lot of work to do here, I think, kids. So are you those ready? Those aren't bad movies, though. Not, Die Hard doesn't belong no, in number two. No, they're not bad. They're not bad. But I'm just saying our, our sample size is still pretty low. We have a total of 44 rankings. So we got to pick it up a little bit. So wow. we're going to see if we can Let's hammer through it. this. And yes. so the rules, as always, one movie is against the other, and we decide which one we think is better. And the only rule is at least three of us have to have seen it in order for the vote to count. So... Here we go. The first one is The Lion King, the Disney classic 1994, versus Stand By Me, 1986 classic movie. Josh, what do you think? Uh, Stand By Me versus what again? The Lion King. Lion King. Uh, The Lion King. Josh is already asleep. Okay. (laughs) All right, Chris. Chris, what about you? Uh, The Lion King. Melody? I really like Stand By Me, and I don't really... I mean, I'm going with Stand By Me. Ooh, a wrench wrench in the system. Melody, I will also go with Stand By Me. I think it's a (laughs) classic, classic, wonderful movie. So, Daniel... Uh, you're probably too young to even have seen Stand By Me. Oh, or, or The Lion the King. Lion. <laughs> That's true. Or The Lion King. That is true. Look, How I, old were you I, in 1994, I, Daniel? I was two years old. There you go. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, but I grew up on Lion King. That has to. I love Stand By Me. I think it's a great movie. But I mean, which is a better movie, on. Daniel? Which is a better? It's movie? Lion King. Come on, oh, Lion King. I, I would like to take this opportunity Absolutely. to point out that I forgot the rules. I haven't seen Stand By Me. Oh my gosh! Well, oh, it doesn't matter. We all at least three of us have seen it. Though. That's true. That's fine. We're good. All right. All right. We've got the next one is Superman Returns, two thousand and six. I don't think I think it's kind of underrated, guys. I don't know, especially compared to the crap we have now. Versus Munich, Steven Spielberg from two thousand and five. Let's reverse the order, Daniel. What do you think? 
You know, Munich, I, I only watched it once, and it was a long time ago, but it didn't really make much of an impression on me. So even though I don't really like Superman Returns, that's what I'm going with. Okay, Melody. I'm going to go with Munich. So sorry. Okay. I really like that movie. All right, Chris. I honestly cannot remember Munich all that well. I, I remember enjoying it at the time. I that movie. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know. I remember enjoying it, but Superman Returns, I still don't think is a. It was just a disappointment. So I'm gonna go with Munich. Okay, Josh. I remember liking Munich, but I also remember never seeing Superman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> of course, at least you remember what you haven't seen. Munich is criminally underrated. Uh, it is a borderline masterpiece, and it is yes. clearly Munich. Great, great movie. Hooray. More people need to see that movie. All right, the next is As Good As It Gets, 1997, Jack Nicholson versus South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. no. Joshua, <laughs> have you seen either of these? No. No? Oh, man. Well, I, I, thought you I don't know. South Park. I, I, don't, I, I might think have I've... seen South Park. I, I don't know. I, I don't remember it if I have. I, I don't think I've ever seen South Park. Just I, I know I haven't. I've never seen that. Myself. I also have never seen it. Okay. Shocker. What? So we have not seen oh South Park. Oh, my gosh. All right. So it's As Good As It Gets, 1997, versus The Underdog fr- from 1977, Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> Can I just pick that? Yes, just click Star okay, Wars. Star oh, Wars it is. Josh, have you seen Star Wars? <laughs> yes. Only the remastered version. So you haven't seen it. Okay. Live Free or Die Hard, 2007, (laughs) versus Children of Men, Alfonso Cuaron from 2006. Let's go with Josh. Nope. Okay. I I saw Children of Men. No, I saw Children of Men. I haven't seen the first one. Okay. Uh, And then uh, Chris. Absolutely Children of Men. Okay, Melody. Clear winner, Children of Men. And Daniel. I was so ready to vote for Live Free or Die Hard because <laughs> that is a great movie. But no, Children, man, Can't come on. <laughs> Even after only a decade, it is already a sci-fi classic, no doubt. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. That The shot in the car is just yeah, one of the it best. It's so good. Fantastic. One of a kind. Okay, this I is remember interesting. not liking that movie. Uh, that's no. a shocker. Unbelievable. Are you sure? I think a bigger story would be, do you remember liking a movie? All right, here we go. The Matrix Reloaded. 2003, the sequel, versus Being John Malkovich from 1999. Daniel, let's start with you. You know... This is not not, a hard choice, Daniel. I'm not really a fan. I love Spike Jones, but Being John Malkovich, I didn't really enjoy. Um, Nor did I enjoy Matrix Reloaded. So, (laughs) uh, man, I don't really... I guess Matrix Reloaded, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Melody? Matrix Reloaded. Chris? Matrix Reloaded, freaking all the way. Do you hate everybody yet, Josh? I, if I didn't before, I do now. <laughs> you pick, you pick the worst of the three Matrix movies no, over yeah. being no, John no, Malkovich. No. Absolutely, the Matrix. It's being John Malkovich is the worst. No, it is not. The, oh, it is by not far. by far. It's not no. even close. Oh Matrix God. Revolutions has Will Ferrell in it. <laughs> so you just stop. Okay. Stop. Well, it doesn't matter what our votes are, Josh. The answer is the Matrix Reloaded. What was your vote, though? You got to vote. Um, you got to vote. I would have been Matrix Reloaded on this as well. I think I'm, I'm, I love Spike Jones, but being John Malkovich is probably my least favorite of his movies. Yeah. So, 
you hated her too, so no, I didn't. I, I didn't hate her. I just didn't um, lose my mind over it because everybody was like, "This is the greatest you, thing I've ever seen." For those of you who don't know, her is the title of the film. We're not speaking ill of somebody. Else. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is also true. That's also true. All right, guys, Every, we're going to do four or five more, and then we'll jump into our top fifty and start trying to uh, narrow down. Uh, we have. I don't know if you guys remember this movie, Congo, from nineteen ninety five. Oh yeah. Crichton, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah Heck that's yeah. Crichton. Of course Chris remembers yeah. it. Love Michael. Daniel was three. I'm sure he remembers it. And then uh, versus Willy Wonka and the Chocolate mm. Factory, 1971. And let's start with Josh. Never saw Congo. It's always a, always a good thing to start with me. Good. All right, Chris? Uh, Congo. Shut up. Is that a real vote? Yes. <laughs> Chris I loves Michael Crichton. Oh my God. That not, movie is I terrible. Do I, uh, the, the the island of Zinge. No, trust me. I I I I know Congo. My final answer. Melody, please <laughs> redeem your household. I mean, I was I was a little tempted to vote Congo, not because I actually liked the movie, but I have happy memories of seeing it with Chris. However, I really love Willy Wonka, so Willy I'm going Wonka with It's a classic, Daniel. It is a classic, so I vote for it. There you go, Daniel. Did you say I was three in 1977? No, 95. 1995. Uh, oh, uh, and it's 71. Uh, Even I wasn't oh, born in 71. So all right. sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. I've actually never seen Congo, believe it or not. So I don't know if I can vote. But you can't yeah, vote. I would, I would vote yeah. for Willy Wonka. So we have two out of the. Th- well, no, we have three out of the five. So we, we, it can go. So it is Willy Wonka, not even close. Come on, guys. World of pure imagination. Shame I, on you. I, I, yeah. I knew you love Willy Wonka. One of the first times I met you, you had Willy Wonka, like two uh, versions of the Willy Wonka yeah. DVD sitting on your shelf. That is true. You had was... a lot of doubles. Yeah. I did. Listen, back, in the back day. In, you guys don't remember. When DVDs first came out, I was single Wait. and had disposable income. I bought everything. They were Wait, like, he had oh, he had two I of Willy Wonka, remember. and I didn't get one of them? They no, were in well, office. Like, so they were in well, yeah. they, would, they would come out with one, and then a month later, they'd be like, oh, here's some new special features. And I'd be like, oh, I guess I got to buy that, too. So <laughs> it was not a wise strategy in retrospect. <laughs> okay, so here we have The 40-Year-Old Virgin from 2005 versus I Am Legend from 2007. Oh, man. Daniel, what do you say? I really like both of those movies. Um, I think... I would go with I Am Legend. That's a really great movie. I Am Legend. Okay. Melody? Man, I know I saw I Am Legend, but I do not remember liking it. So I'm going with 40-Year-Old Virgin. Okay. Chris? 40-Year-Old Virgin. That movie, Judd Apatow, so good. Okay. And uh, Josh? Uh, So I Am Legend. I think I saw it. Will Smith? Remind me what happened. I know. Yeah, I know it's Will Smith. Well, um, it's the like overgrown with trees. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, 40-year-old virgin. The answer <laughs> is 40-year-old virgin. It's one of the great comedies of our time. It still stands up today. It's great. Yep. All right, we're got, we have three more before we'll start uh, focusing in on our list. This is Who Framed Roger Rabbit from Ooh. 1988 versus Sin City from 2005. <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of a tie in there. Okay, let's start with Josh. Josh, what do you think? Okay, for once, I'm actually a little ashamed. I haven't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, oh my God. Listen, yeah, on, I know. Let's not fail our surprise, guys. It's not. Come on. We're past that. All right, Chris, what about you? I loved Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I, 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 it, it's, a, it's a great movie. Who Framed Roger Rabbit all the way. Okay. All right, Melody. Well, you may not 
be surprised about Josh, but I'm ashamed to say I have also not seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Wow. I'm so sorry. Wow. Chris Thank has you, good memories of watching the Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't feel like it was approved viewing in my childhood, and I yeah, visited as an adult. So. Really? But have uh, you seen Sin City? A yes, shave. I've seen Sin City. I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Preach. I would have voted for Roger Rabbit, too. All yeah, right. Exactly. All right. All right. All right. So we will bump this one off, and it will be Sin City versus. Wait, three another... of us have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, why did you get rid of Who Framed? Three of us have seen all have seen all of them. Oh, I forgot. Daniel, you've seen it. Sorry, <laughs> yes. you were the last one. Joe. How dare you? Uh, sorry. Yeah, you, okay. You, you, so we could have right, done that. We can still do it. Calm down. It's still there. Haven't haven't moved away. So Daniel, what is it? Who framed Roger Rabbit or Sin City? Sin City sucks. That is a terrible movie. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? So dumb. Wrong. Okay. Yay. Well, it looks like it's going to be Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I despite your vote, you I would have voted. Vote. I would have voted Roger Rabbit. I would have voted okay. Roger Rabbit. But I think the first Sin City is actually very good. You're wrong. You're crazy. Okay. I, I think you're wrong. I'm wrong and crazy. All right. Are you guys my wife or something? All right, here we go. Oh, Pirates, of the, oh. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003, otherwise known as The One Good One, versus <laughs> The Godfather Part 2, another one I'm, that out. I'm sure Josh I'm out. is not seeing. Just... <laughs> so, Daniel. Oh, oh man. Um... Did you I mean, just act as if you're having to think about this? Okay, Come on. hear me out here. Oh my gosh. Okay, Godfather Part Two is obviously <laughs> the more classic masterpiece of a movie, but I've seen it once in my life. I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean probably ten times. That says more um, about you than it does the quality of these movies, Daniel. So be it. So be it. My vote is Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my you gosh! Are, you are. I don't even. That's worse than anything that Josh has ever done or not seen. Just let me go on record as saying that. All right, Melody. Uh, vindicated at last. I mean, oh, no. I. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm. We, the podcast may end tonight. It may. Let, end let me tonight. remind you. Let me remind you that Pirates of the Caribbean is a series, a series of movies based around a ride at Disney World. <laughs> it's great. A ride that I love. A ride that is near and dear to my heart. Oh no. We're talking about the first Pirates movie. Yes. Yeah. The first one, which is admittedly really which, good. Is a it's great really good. And I'm sorry, I'm not a huge Godfather no. fan. So I'm tapping people. Oh, no. I'm going high. Yes. Yes. Um, Chris. This is going to happen. Chris. 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 <laughs> Please. Don't so do this, good. Chris. This is so good. Chris, you know the answer. Do Just do it. Be, be a man. <laughs> be an adult. I don't think I can. <laughs> it's going to be a tie. Somebody has to be a tiebreaker. Be that person. Now, I want to hear what Chad says. Chad, you know what, what, what I'm is your? Say, the Godfather, no, I... Not only is the Godfather Part Two a masterpiece, <laughs> it's the best movie of that trilogy. It's universally regarded as one of the top ten movies of all time. <laughs> and we're amazing. talking about an... Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Freaking Jack Sparrow! Are you kidding me, world? Yeah, no, I, there, there's no doubt that Godfather Part Two would be my choice. So what do we do in a tie? Okay, I think what we did last time is we went to Rotten Tomatoes. I really do. I'm not joking. I think that's what we did when we had a tie. Oh, that's stupid. So, why is that stupid? <laughs> it's a, obviously by any other criteria, Godfather is going to win, so we can't do that. Rotten Tomatoes is an, a critique aggregator, and it's fair. So here we go. <laughs> It this is, is this... Godfather. Go to, go to Metacritic first. This is my way. Godfather 2 has, let's just see, 
97%. That's not bad. Versus Pirates. Let's see. Let's see. If this is <laughs> fire, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> might, the Black might. Pearl. <laughs> 79 percent okay it was close Thank God. it was close. it was, it was a transpose <laughs> if i were dyslexic i apologize people at home because yeah, all the critics reviewed happened. it on Rotten Tomatoes in the, it wasn't in almost the you you heard my reaction as soon as i heard you before. i heard you but two and we knew josh hadn't seen it so yes oh, it was calm. almost a train wreck over here all right but let's go let's move we've let's escaped move. all right two more uh we have the village M. Night Shyamalan from 2004 versus Zoolander, 2001. Josh. Okay, so The Village is one of the... Wait. Yeah, it's one of the few Shyamalan movies that I tolerate, but Zoolander is still more entertaining. Zoolander. What? Okay, we're burying the lead. Josh has seen Zoolander, but not The Godfather. (laughs) Chris, is it Zoolander or The Village? That's pretty messed up. The Village. I really like The Village a lot. So I'm gonna. Go Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I hate The Village. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Melody, The Village or Zoolander? I love The Village, so I'm going with that one. Okay, Daniel. Um. Yeah, I'll go with The Village. They're close for me. They're, I like them both, but yeah, I'll go with The Village. I don't think great. it's close. I think it's The Village. Village is great. All right, we now have. I'm. I'm. Completely clear now. I hated the village. <laughs> Good. Because everybody else liked it. Thank you. You've all reminded me. That's right. Oh, With every God. passing positive remark, Josh was like, yeah, I hate that one. I can't, I, can't, I can't like this anymore. All right. We have one of Chris's formative films, guys. It impacted his heart and his mind. It lives in his heart in a little box. It is the 2007 Michael Bay film Transformers. So good. Versus the not the original but the first in the trilogy remake of Ocean's 13, 2007. And we'll start with Daniel. Daniel, what do you think? Chris, if you don't vote for Ocean's 11, that is worse than the whole Godfather thing. Wait, I thought this is oh, Ocean's no, 13. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, is this 11 or 13? The original trilogy, I didn't mean the first movie. It's Ocean's 13 from 2007, oh, so it's the yeah. third one. Yeah, oh. Ocean's 13. This is not Ocean's 11. Right, Let's... Ocean's 13. Gotcha. Sorry, I'm clear. Um, but everything you're saying still stands, Daniel, so please. So yeah, the third... you can yeah. continue third... with that train of thought. This is yeah, the Ocean's third... 13 is still better for sure. Oh my gosh, what? Okay. Melody? Uh, Ocean's 13. What? Chris. Is that the movie where Julia uh, Roberts refers no. to herself? No, that's it's yes, it is. No, no, that's twelve. Twelve's oh the worst. Uh, there's no doubt. Transformers, absolutely. Transformers. <laughs> okay, Josh, have you seen these? I'm pretty sure I saw Ocean's Thirteen, but if I did, I don't remember a single second of it. I think I saw them all. Okay. I do. I have to vote for Transformers if I literally can't remember what happened in the movie besides someone stole something. Nope. You don't have to, and it doesn't matter anyway because I'm also going to vote for Ocean's Thirteen. Okay. So. Cool. All right, one more, and then we'll whittle down our list. All right, so Zoolander is back up. The original Zoolander versus Not Another Teen Movie, one of Josh's favorites. So, uh, nope. I'm out. Okay, Chris. Oh, sorry, I heard Not Another Teen Movie. What was the first one? Zoolander again. The good one. Uh, yeah. So Zoolander. hot right now. I, 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 so hot. Zoolander. Okay, Melody? I have not seen Not Another Teen Movie, so sorry. Daniel? Look, Zoolander's 
Zoolander's good. It's a great Thank movie. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. So, yes. And not on another teen movie, really? Yeah, no. Zoolander. <laughs> it's Zoolander. It's Zoolander. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're going to jump into our movies. And we're going to do just four or five and try to whittle down our chart. And we're going to work specifically on our top 20. You guys ready? Yes. Here we go. How long do we have to do this? Five movies. <laughs> Josh, just, it's cool. movies. It's things you love. Cool. No, Here we go. no, I love movies. I love them. Here we go. This is, what, this is actually going to be much more difficult. Here we go. Number one, Air Force One versus Jerry Maguire. And let's start with Daniel. Uh, I think we talked about this last time when Jerry Maguire was up. I don't really like Jerry Maguire that much. <laughs> So it's Air Force One. <laughs> Melody. Who grunted? Was me, that me? It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Maguire had uh, me at hello. I yeah. love Jerry Maguire. However, I love Air Force One more. Yeah. Get off my plane. Of course. Of course. If we lose <laughs> Melody, then it's we know where Chris is going. Chris. It's Air Force One. Yeah. Come on. Air Force One. Get off my plane. Come on. I, Gary think I, I yes. listen to that at least That's once a week. One. <laughs> during my entire college career, so I'm pretty sure he was going to vote for that. Josh, yes, Josh. See, the beauty of us going through our top ten list is it doesn't change the percentage of movies that I haven't seen. So <laughs> I haven't seen Jerry Maguire. <laughs> the answer is Jerry Maguire, but the vote is Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force One's great. That movie is so good. It's, it's good. So good. It is okay. All right, here we go. The Born Ultimatum. From 2007 versus mm-hmm. seven from 1995. Oh, oh man! And we'll start with Josh. Nope. <laughs> and nope. we'll go to Chris. <laughs> I'm gonna go with seven. Okay, uh, seven's seven's great. I mean, is Ultimate in the good one? I can't remember the yes. boring movies anymore. No, the original one's the good one. Ugh. The rest of them are cheap imitations. Ultimate. Here's the, the thing, though. I have clear memories in my mind of seven and why it's a great film, so I'm going with that one. Okay, Daniel. Because they are hideous and inscribed in your brain. Sorry, go <laughs> sure. ahead. Uh, definitely seven, but Born Ultimatum is the good one, guys. That's Born the good Ultimatum one. is great, but it is seven. All right, let's do a few more here. We have The Lion King, Daniel's favorite musical, <laughs> versus <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, oh my gosh. Josh. Uh so that's that's a li- I'm not as huge a Star Wars fan as everyone else, and The Lion King was one of Disney's best. Sure. Uh Empire Strikes Back was right in the middle, wasn't so good good as the others. Lion King. Everything you just said about Empire Strikes Back is completely wrong. Empire Strikes Back is by far the best of any Star Wars movie, but you can't, you can't, you can't deny the power of the Lion King, especially when you start off just can't wait to be king. So, um, all right, Chris. Wait, was that you? Are you saying you voted for Lion King? Josh did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were saying. You yeah, know, I no, thought no. you were. I thought you were seconding hey, my emotion. Let's not be <laughs> stupid here, people. <laughs> Chris, I mean, there's a line. Okay, there's we, no we, doubt. We went up to that line when we almost voted for Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, calm down. <laughs> I was gonna freak out. I was like, well, I think I don't half know of you I did think. vote for it, and you only got out of it by a technicality. It's true. All right, I'm, I up. I, I'm voting for Empire Strikes Back. There's, there's no doubt. Melody, clearly Empire. Daniel. 
Did I mention I'm a 90s kid? Lion King, all the way. Booyah! Is that a real vote? That is a real vote. That is a real thing. (laughs) I don't, Daniel, I don't... I stand with Daniel. I feel I feel all kinds of emotions I haven't felt for you against. I don't. Uh, oh my word! It's Empire Strikes Back. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Remind me what sanity. happened in that movie. The Empire oh, Strikes Back. Lightsabers, stormtroopers. It's stop it's talking. Rug. All right. Stop it. That was go. that was the no Death Star one, stop, right? Right. Stop talking. We, we have three more, and then we can be done with this madness once and for all. <laughs> Maybe not once and for all. All right. Die Hard, the original Die Hard from 1988 versus 7. Daniel, what say ye? Die Hard is absolutely one of my favorite films of all time. Okay. Die Hard. Melody? Yeah, I agree. Die Hard. Die Hard. All right, Chris? Die Hard is the perfect action film. It's Die Hard. Oh, there you go. Josh? You know the answer to this. <laughs> you haven't seen any, either one? Is that either answer? one? Either one. Okay. What? Oh my god! You've never seen Die Hard? Oh my god. I'm pretty sure I saw like the one where Bruce Willis was really old and shouldn't have been making a Die Hard movie. I saw yeah, that that's one. Not it. It's time oh, for an intervention, man. guys. We need to kidnap him for like three days into a cabin <laughs> and just make him watch movies. <laughs> I don't understand. Even if he hates I'm not them, sure he that would even make a dent. Seen them. You only live like 30 miles away, Chad. Come on down. Come on. All right. All right, let's go, Die Hard. That vote has already uh, won. Two more. Is that what you would have put in there? Yes, Die Hard for me as well. Yes. Yeah. All right, we have The Lion King versus The Empire Strikes Back. We already had that. We, that we just, just did, did that, that exact thing. Click chart. Interesting. It's and it was Lion King. Don't click the wrong thing. It was The Lion King. No, no it was, not. It was hey. not. Shut your faces. <laughs> okay, so now we have actual two more. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back versus Die Hard. Here we go, Daniel. Oh, man. Um. Yeah, like I said, Die Hard's one of my favorites of all time, so it's Die Hard. You're a man of your conviction, Daniel. <laughs> That's all I can say. Melody? I love Empire, for the record. I love Empire Strikes Back. Don't get me wrong here. Okay. Melody? I'm a sci-fi geek. I'm going with Empire. Chris? The Empire Strikes Back. Josh hasn't seen it. Empire Strikes Back it is. All right. And the last one for the night. Here we go. Well, it's really trying to... It's focusing on the same group of movies. It is The Empire Strikes Back versus Air Force One. Josh. Mm. Oh. Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I have seen both of those. I have very little recollection of both. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, It's Empire Strikes Back. As much as I love Air Force One, it's still Empire Strikes Back. Melody? Well, I'm going to go with Air Force One because my vote won't sway the tide. So I'll I'll state my feelings. Like a third party voter. Daniel. Leave me alone. Yeah, Air Force One is fine, but yeah, it's easily Empire here. Empire Strikes Back. Let's see if I mean, Air Force One's no Lion King, so. Melody voted her principles, and I respect her for that. Thanks, her vote did not matter, but I respect her principles. <laughs> that is true. All right, guys. Well, we hope you've enjoyed that round of Flick Chart. If you'd like to follow along, go to flickchart.com, and you can find us under Screeners Podcast. But please don't, because it's embarrassing. Sorry, the name was Screeners Podcast. I talked over that. <laughs> it might have been Screeners Cast. 
but it's probably Screeners Podcast. It's Screeners Podcast. But thanks for listening to this week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to our email address, which is ScreenersCast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast and look up Screeners Podcast on Facebook and keep up with what's going on. And join us next time when we'll be reviewing Mascots and Doctor Strange. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.